Now getting caught meant getting fired, but I figured I'd have it all by the time I retired. I'd have me a car worth at least a hundred grand. I'd get it one piece at a time, and it wouldn't cost me a dime. You'd know it's me when I come through your town. I'm gonna ride around in style, I'm gonna drive everybody wild, cause I'll have the only one there is Hello and welcome to episode 92 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Cauley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing good. How are you? Not bad. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing great. Well, there's a lot happening in the Blue Jay world. Uh, Ross Atkins being very upfront about his desire to get a lot of players, a lot of high impact players. We've already talked about how aggressive the Blue Jays are going to be this offseason, but we didn't really quite know the extent of it until I feel like this past week when Ross Atkins kind of went crazy with his public comments and the rumor mills are running at an all-time high for the Blue Jays. Um, Ross Atkins has said now he wants to get one, two, maybe three high acquisition players. The Blue Jays have been mentioned um, with the likes of George Springer, Jackie Bradley Jr., Jake Odorizzi, Francisco Lindor, Angelton Simmons. We've already talked about um, Trevor Bauer on this show, they've been mentioned with pretty much every big name free agent star or soon to be traded player this off season. And it doesn't look like it's slowing down. Looks like the blue Jays are going to be incredibly aggressive. We know all this. We've learned a little bit more about it in the past week and we've talked about it before, but before we get to our conversation about that and the players that the blue Jays have been rumored to be involved with, um, let's talk about, I guess the main piece of news that we have this week, um, going back um, a couple of of weeks actually since we last recorded, the Blue Jays re-signing Robbie Ray to a one-year $8 million deal. It's the first free agent signing of not just the Blue Jays offseason, but um, the entire offseason. They were the first off the mark in signing Robbie Ray. Um, not much to unpack here. We know the Blue Jays wanted to get some of their players back that they acquired over the offseason. We know, or at least now we know, that Robbie Ray wanted to come back to the Blue Jays. He said he enjoyed his time in Toronto, and we saw him working with Pete Walker um, lower his walk rate, improve his performance on the field after struggling in the first half of the season with Arizona. So what do you guys think of this deal? I know there is some criticism of it being too much to pay for him for one year, especially given, as I just mentioned, his tenuous performance with the Diamondbacks, even if he was better in the second half of the season with the Blue Jays. So do you guys think this is a good move by the Blue Jays, or do you think they're maybe overpaying him or should have gone a different direction? Uh, to start, I was to be honest with you, I was a little bit surprised that Robbie Ray came back, period. Uh, I was just He was just one of the people or one of the players who were pending free agents, so I just didn't have a lot of confidence in to return. So a little bit of um, caught me off a little bit off guard uh, to start off the offseason. Like you said, Mark, it was the first move of the offseason in the entire league. But Robbie Ray comes back for one year. Uh, he signed a deal for $8 million. And, you know, based off of the initial market for him, based off of his numbers, it definitely is a slight overpay. But, um, you know, probably the Jays or the Jays probably would have had to do that in order for him to stay rather than testing the market. And he's clearly somebody that the Jays wanted to hold on to so he didn't have to test the market. And, um, you know, I have no problem with the move for him to come back. Uh, We all know his numbers were inflated once he came to Toronto or came to the Blue Jays last year. 
And uh, he did, you know, lower his numbers a bit. There was one start where his numbers got inflated again. I believe it was a start against the Yankees. But overall, other than that, uh, he seemed to fix some of his mechanics and he seemed to be, you know, pitching a lot better than what he previously did in Arizona earlier in the season. So, you know, that's a little bit, you know, that's something to look forward to. That's something to be optimistic about heading into uh, 2021. And um, let's be, you know, let's hope and based off of what we know, It'll be the first out of many moves that the Jays are going to be making this winter. As you know, the reports keep coming out that they're going to be an active uh, team this winter, starting when you know once teams can sign with you know other players can sign with other teams within the next few weeks. So it's um, you know it's not a bad way to start the offseason at all. Uh, I'm fine with Robbie Ray coming back, but like I said, I was definitely a little shocked that it was him out of the other starters like Matt Shoemaker and Taiwan Walker, who are likely going to test the market, and other teams have already been showing interest in. Um, players like Matt Shoemaker, I think some some teams already were Boston and the Kansas City Royals. And, um, you know, Tywon Walker is another one who I really want to return. But again, uh, a little bit shocked it was uh, Robbie Ray coming back. But again, uh, no problem with it. And yeah, definitely a slight overpay at $8 million. But like I said before, you know, you have to overpay for him to avoid testing the market. And that's exactly what happened. So at least the Jays get a solid arm and somebody they can at least commit to for 2021, you know, for the back end of the rotation. Hopefully it's a four or five starter, maybe third starter. But of course, this is hopefully one out of many moves and one out of many moves the Jays are expected to make this winter. But overall, a, a decent signing to start it off at least. Yeah, I, it definitely is a little bit more than I would have wanted to give him. But I mean, at least if you want to look at it from this perspective, the Blue Jays don't typically or they don't have a lot of guys that they have to pay this year. A lot of their core guys are still on their are under team control. Uh, still, I mean, it, $8 million is a little bit more than I would have been willing to pay him because he was relatively inconsistent with the Blue Jays. Obviously, uh, Bryson, you said he had one start against against Boston where he gave up four runs. Uh, he had a five-run outing against the, the Phillies also. So that is uh, nine out of his 11 earned runs as a Blue Jay uh, in the regular season, that we're giving up over two outings. However, I d- he has improved. I think overall he was decent with the Blue Jays, like up and down. But for the most part, if you want to say if it was a negative or a positive tenure, I think it was decent, decently positive. Uh, his his command has been getting better. Obviously, he was giving up. Uh, I think it was twelve earned runs or twelve walks per nine innings. And now it's down to like nine or something it's it's lowering uh and his strike to walk ratio has been slightly dipping as a as a result with that going from 1.39 or from 1.79 to 1.39 per nine innings however it just i mean like you said th- this is kind of expected to be uh back into the bullpen or rotation maybe bullpen although pro- highly doubt that but i don't know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see him over a full season because keep in mind you know uh, if you're pitching in a 60 game season, you're only expected to maybe pitch, you know, if you're a starter, maybe 10 times, uh, which is probably about a third of what you would normally be pitching. Uh, so, I mean, overall, it'll be interesting to see what they do over a full year. Uh, still a little bit more than I would have paid for him. I think personally, if it was me, I would have focused on guys like Taiwan Walker, try to get them locked up because, you know, they obviously. Ryu and Pearson are locked in for the next couple of years. However, I would like to kind of get the the cornerstones of my rotation set and then try to kind of 
work backwards from that rather than saying, okay, well, we have this guy, but we still don't know what's going to happen. But overall, I mean, I don't think this is the last move the Blue Jays are going to make. Uh, if they only had a limited amount of money and this was late in the offseason, then I would be worried. But the offseason just started. Uh, as you mentioned, this was actually the first deal it made throughout the league. So it's not it's not that bad given the time the time frame of when it happened. So, I mean, overall, it's it's a decent move. Again, it is only one year also. So worst case, it it you know it goes down the drain and it's not good. It's not like you gave up four years or something like that of of eight million dollars. You know, at least it worst case scenario, you just bite the bullet and uh, you just hope you don't re-sign him next year. Yeah, it was more than expected, but I think Jacob you nailed it on the head saying like. The Blue Jays have the money to spend. We know that they, I think they have about $90 million or $100 million on the book for next season. And that that money that they have on the book is only increasing because of a few backloaded deals as we go down the line and as we progress further, you know, 2022, 2023. But right now, they have the money to spend. So why not give a guy who, you know, could be really good, Robbie Ray, um, a lot of people think he's he has the potential to be a really good pitcher, but is just struggling with some of these more you know finite tasks. Why not give him some money, take a chance on him? Yeah, it might be a mistake when you could give that money to someone else who you know might be a better performer than him. But I think he's a guy that has a very high ceiling, has a very low floor. But I like the fact that the Blue Jays are taking a chance on him, especially like I said, it's just a one-year deal. They have the money to spend. What I'm more concerned about is long-term deals, whether it's two, three, four, five years going down the line, because the money is going to get thinner and thinner as we get, as I said, into those backloaded deals that are already taking up payroll space down the line. So I think that's the thing about this deal that I like. It's just one year. They have the space in their budget to spend, so why not spend it now? Why not take a risk on a guy like Robbie Ray, and he fits the Blue Jays' needs exactly. You know, they need starters. He's a starter, or at least he can be a starter, and we've learned from um, public media comments that he will be a starter next year with the Blue Jays. So, you know, he fills out their rotation, and I think overall it's a good deal because of that. He fills out what the Blue Jays need, and, you know, there's still other question marks in the rotation, whether Pearson sticks in the rotation, there's some... People um, like Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker, they're advocating for Pearson to start the season in AAA. There's some people saying, nope, you got to start him in the majors. And personally, I think I'm on the triple side, AAA side of things. I know you guys might disagree with me on that. Um, but, you know, you got Robbie Ray, Ross Stripling is going to be in that equation as well. You know, maybe Ryan Barucki even comes back to the rotation. Maybe you have re-signing guys like Matt Shoemaker. There's so many different questions when it comes to the rotation, but I think going out and re-signing Robbie Ray, literally the first free agent signing of the entire offseason, I think maybe it is getting a little ahead of themselves for the Blue Jays, but I think it nails down one of their key, key question marks for this offseason, and overall I think it's a good deal. Um, now we know the Blue Jays are going to be very aggressive, and this showed it. The, the, the Blue Jays re-signing Robbie Ray and spending extra money to get him so quickly showed the Blue Jays' aggressiveness this offseason. But as we turn to talking about other guys that the Blue Jays are looking towards, like 
George Springer, Jackie Bradley Jr., Jake Odorizzi, Francisco Lindor, Andrelton Simmons. Um, the names go on and on that we've seen the Blue Jays involved with this offseason. But I just want to play a clip from Ross Atkins on MLB Network Radio talking about um, the plan for this offseason and how aggressive the Blue Jays plan to be this offseason. It's, we've gotten to the point where we would like to, obviously, there, there, there are different junctures. It's not just now. It's last year's deadline, um, the, the free agency, the offseason we had last year. It, it began then with the acquisition of Yunchin Ryu and others um, into the deadline, getting Ross Stripling and, and Robbie Ray and Taiwan Walker and Jonathan VR, who, you know, three of those, two of those are still with us. Um, so now we have another opportunity to make the team better coming into this off season with free agency, the potential of trade. And what we'd like to do is add another really good player or two or three. Um, you know, we'll see, like it, it's really hard to acquire, um, elite players and this will be another opportunity for us to do it. We'll see what happens. And, you know, whether that's in the form of an elite starting pitcher or just an elite offensive player, you know, hopefully that uh, we're, we're making the team better in several ways. We are, um, you know, hopeful that we can improve our team on the run prevention side, which that starts with pitching and, and then defense. But really, it's more about just making the team better. And, you know, we'll see at the end of our offseason what the pieces to that puzzle ends up being. I feel like this is different in a number of ways from what we normally hear, not just from Ross Atkins, but from any executive. Because he's not just saying we want to go out and get good players. He's naming the names of certain players that the Blue Jays want to go after, the type of players that the Blue Jays want to go after. And he's saying one or two or three high-impact players. And we knew the Blue Jays would be aggressive but I did not think they would be this aggressive. I don't think I've ever seen a Blue Jay general manager be this aggressive in the free agent market. So these comments really took me back. The rumors that we've had swirling around really have taken me back over the past couple of weeks because I did not expect this degree of aggressiveness from the Blue Jays. Yeah, plain and simple is that the Blue Jays are ready to compete. And by doing that, they need to go out and get the pieces um, you know, we know that the rumors entering this offseason have been very, or at least on the side that the Jays are going to be active. And it keeps coming out as today, uh, Jim Bowden from CBS, he's an MLB analyst, he said, flat out simple, the Blue Jays are committed to at least to try to add an impact player in either free agency or by trade, whether it's a starting pitcher or a position player, hashtag Bauer, hashtag Lindor, hashtag Springer. And I think that's, you know, the thing we've come down to. And it's not the first time we've seen this. It's no surprise to anyone that it appears that this team is going to be active. And at this point, it, it should come to the point that they will they should be active. And if they don't, it you know, it's gonna, almost going to be disappointing uh, for myself based on what we've been hearing. But uh, it's very exciting to finally be on the end of things where they are looking to add, continue to add. And Ross Hackens is right from that clip. It did start last winter uh, when they brought in Hunjin Ryu for four years. And that was, you know, that signing itself, we've discussed this before, it kind of signified the turning point for this franchise, you know, a team that is slowly getting ready to compete, you know, regardless of who they go out and get, Mark, you mentioned a bunch of the names, uh, there is a lot of names, and I'm sure the Jays, well, hopefully they get some, it'll be ideal to get some, but of course they won't get all of them, that's just the reality of it, but, 
you know, they there's names all across the diamond. There's starting pitchers they want. There's outfielders they want. Uh, there's infielders that they're looking at, you know, possibly looking in a trade for, like Francisco Lindor. And that's a whole different discussion because, A, he's a trade. Uh, he's going to have to be via trade where you're going to have to give up assets in return. And on the other side, players like Trevor Bauer or George Springer, you know, the, J the rumors and the reports everywhere for the Jays continue to trend to the point where they are interested and they continue to like George Springer. And that's something that, you know, you got to continue to pay attention of is uh, he seems to be a guy that the Jays are really all in on it, you know, to a certain extent. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of weeks something happens. And for Trevor Bauer, you know, as, as much as he's been trolling, you know, kind of everywhere or at least every market of who he's going to play for, I do think the Jays should try and make a run at him. And I think he would make this team better regardless of how you think of his personality off the field. He does make this team better if he's pitching. And for a team like this, you know, Ross Atkins going on, you know, radio shows, especially entering the offseason and saying this stuff, it is different. It's something that we never see out of him because, you know, we he has he is a genius at pretty much going on for paragraphs and, you know, saying nothing And we're in terms of you learning nothing. But the thing we've learned is from him, Mark Shapiro, because we've heard it from Mark Shapiro as well, and all, all across MLB Insiders on Twitter is that this team is legit and they are serious about looking into adding pieces. And um, it's exciting because we saw this team in a 60-game season make the playoffs and they are missing a few pieces. We know that. Of course, defense was a big problem. And everyone's looking to uh, increase on the starting rotation, which is something that they're looking at right now. And we also know from a couple weeks ago, they're looking to upgrade in the outfield. And that would be the reason why George Springer has kind of entered the sweepstakes for you know who they're looking at. So you know things like this, it just you know it gets to the point where a team that is so close to making another step forward needs another piece. And you know players um, all over or you know all over uh, the Blue Jays as well. Someone like Bo Bichette, who's also said uh, you know they're missing that one piece. And of course, adding anybody at this point uh, would be ideal for the team. It would only make it better. And he's one of many. Of course, Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, they've said their points. And this team is serious about competing and. Entering the or entering free agency, it's something that um, it's almost going to be expected now because of all the rumors that have been coming up, in which the Jays are interested in certain players, and um, you know some of these players in particular. I really do hope they make a run at it based off what we've spoken about the past few weeks. And Francisco Lindor continues to be one of them, but of course you need the long-term commitment out of him, based off the players that you would have to probably give up in a trade like that because it would be a pretty big trade, a significant trade. And Trevor Bauer, you know, somebody who would definitely help the rotation and somebody, regardless of what you think of him off the field, would benefit this start uh, this team. And George Springer is another one who we already know about. But yeah, it's um, very, um, opti you know, it's very, um, it's, I don't know really to ex uh, describe it. It's just exciting to hear Ross Atkins say this stuff because, of course, he hasn't been the only one. And let's hope that the Blue Jays are actually legit and uh, go out and get one of these pieces in the next couple of weeks as we head into the uh the off season. Yeah, it definitely is interesting. Uh, I think if you're the Blue Jays uh, in their upper management, I think the conversations are definitely happening where they they're saying, you know what, we we have a chance to be very very good. You know, not not in the future anymore. Now, you know, the future might be now, or you know, maybe the the future has shifted from a couple of years from now to maybe 2022 at the latest, you know, they realize that, you know, hey, we have a lot of players who are expected to be very good players. And I think that was the big difference from 2019 to 2020, where the players just were better. Obviously, they did make some deals 
uh, towards the off or towards the middle of the season at the trade deadline, and it was only sixty games. So who knows? Maybe you know, come May they would have, or even June if it was a regular year, they could have fallen off. Uh, but from what I saw, they were a better team. Obviously, they're not perfect. There are definitely a lot of things that need to be fixed, but the things that need to be fixed are definitely a lot less not not less but they just they have the ability to be very good and i think that people are recognizing it uh like you all have said I, this is an interesting time i mean as a fan of uh the other toronto teams th- that are making the playoffs each each year and they've i think the blue jays are the only team they made the playoffs this year but the last couple of years both the leafs and the raptors were in the playoffs and it was it was always funny because people would say to me, how can we still watch the Blue Jays? Aren't they bad? And just like, well, I expect them to be very good. Now it's finally, you know, that's finally happening, or at least it looks like it's going to happen. But uh, I think, like I said, the the management sees the potential, the players see the potential. They all believe that, Hey, we're going to be good. Uh, I think the other players see it too. I mean, Taiwan Walker put out a tweet. uh, I I think it was a tweet, something on a social media platform of a picture of Toronto saying something like, is this a potential home? You know, I think he recognized, recognizes that this is a good place. Uh, Trevor Bauer has been all over Twitter. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to say that, you know, he nitpicked or he, he sought out after the Blue Jays because I mean, he's done that for pretty much everybody. Uh, but the only thing that I kind of, I'm cautiously optimistic about, and maybe I'm just still a little bit uh, a little bit sore after the Alex Anthopoulos deadline in 2015 is I really don't want the Blue Jays to go out and make a bunch of deals that might seem like they make sense for now and they might make sense for now, but I don't want them to give up pieces from the farm because uh, it just, as we saw once Alex Anthopoulos left, that just is not sustainable. And I do want to say it is a little bit different because in, t- in 2015 they were an older team, whereas they, you know, the immediate future or the you know, a year or two after that, they needed those prospects. Whereas, worst case, they go out and give someone like Austin Martin. I don't think he's going anywhere. But say they were to give up, you know, a high leverage or a a prospect with a high ceiling or expected to have a high ceiling, it's not like it would almost hurt them as soon as it would have back in 2015. Just because they have a young team that can kind of take them to. Uh, the end of you know a pro- another prospect that they draft in his development, but doesn't make mean that I think they should do that. I just want them to improve on the team without taking away from anything that could help them in the future or, or even right now. I mean, we've talked a lot about potential trades. Randall Gritchick was uh, mentioned in a bunch of trade rumors. The last thing I want is potentially you know he goes somewhere or the Blue Jays decide you know we have to give up Kevin Biggio or. You know, name any player. They have to give somebody up in order to get a good player. I don't really want to see that. Uh, but I think I do trust this management. I've I've liked what they've done the last four, I think it's been four or five years but now. I think they've definitely proved they know what they're doing. And this is what they've been waiting for. You know, a lot of people were unfortunately doubting them. And I, I mean, I, I kind of understand that. Just to play devil's advocate, you know, it sucks when your team is not winning. But... They knew what they were doing. They had a plan. And now it's their their patience is paying off. And I think they're saying, you know what? We can win. Let's go build a super team. And we don't really see that too much in in baseball. Yeah, there are teams that are really good. And 
like you know the Dodgers they've been three World Series the last four years but this isn't you know baseball's a little bit different where the management isn't so focused on just getting superstars but I think the Blue Jays understand that you know they're only maybe one superstar or two superstars away from being the next Dodgers being the next you know consistent contender and hopefully bringing you know a few more trophies back to Toronto let me just say that I don't think Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro are stupid enough to go all in this offseason. Like, I don't think they'll make the the same decisions that Alex Anthopoulos did in 2015, which I don't think were stupid decisions. I've said this before. I think they were good decisions for the situation the Blue Jays were in. But the situation the Blue Jays are in now is very different. Like you said, Jacob, much younger team. Um, I would argue a more talented team and a more promising team than the team in 2015 before the trade deadline. So I don't think Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro are losing sight of that by being or saying they're being very aggressive this offseason. I think they're just looking to, you know, they have the the base, they have the fundamentals of a perennial contender. They just need to add, like you said, one or two superstar players and they're there, I think. So if they do that this offseason, if they do it next offseason, I think they can be there either next year or the year after whenever they decide to do that. So yeah, I don't think they're stupid enough to make that mistake, even though it's not always a mistake, but it would be a mistake to go all out, I think, this offseason. Yeah, that's all they need. They're Like like you said, they, they were a playoff team this year, regardless if it was 60 games or not, but they're already there. They just need a few more, but they don't need a whole you know, overhaul of bringing in these people, bringing in that people, because they already have that. They have their main pieces, but now at this point, they're just looking to add some sweeteners now and making it even better for them as they head into, you know, head into 2021 in a competitive division uh, with, you know, teams like the Yankees and uh, the Rays that are already there. And uh, yeah, but we'll see what happens. And before you move on, uh, I just just wanted to ask you guys this one, because I'm going to bring up Francisco Lindor again. And I know that, you know, some of uh, especially the main point about this is if he doesn't come without a contract extension at some point, obviously it's not worth it. But Josh Goldberg tweeted an ideal trade offer that could potentially, you know, strike a deal for Lindor. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I'll say it to you guys right now and let's see if you guys are, you know, for it or against it. So what he had was Lourdes Gurriel Jr., no. Alejandro Kirk, I'm, and Kevin Smith. I'm out. Those three. Those three. Guriel, Kirk, and Kevin Smith. Prospect, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith was oh, on this oof. podcast. Would you do it? No. Really? I'm not giving up Lourdes Guriel Jr. Oh. You see, it's tough because... Okay, well, let's say he comes... Even if he comes with an extension, you're just just somebody you're not willing to give up, eh? Nothing? If, let's say, in this obviously that changes everything. world, that yeah. would never happen. Like, if <laughs> Cleveland extended Francisco Lindor and then was like... We want to trade him. So he had like, what, I don't know, four years left on his contract instead of one year? Yeah. Okay. I would do it then. So, yeah. But that's but never going to yeah. happen. He's never going to come with an extension. And no. unless he has more than one year on his contract, like I don't think it's worth the risk of sacrificing all these great players. I think Lourdes Goriel Jr. being the crown jewel of that. Who knows whether Alejandro Kirk pans out in the majors. Kevin Smith... As I mentioned, we had him on the podcast in April or May, I think. Um, and great guy. I 
I don't know what he's going to do in the future, but I think Lourdes Gurriel Jr., I stop at that. I don't think you can give him up. I think he is too good to give up, especially after the season he just had. Well, even that, they would have to replace him with something because Lindor is not an outfielder. So if they... George well, Springer. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's what I was thinking. You know, maybe... I mean, I, I had thought of a few situations where the Blue Jays give up Grichik for Lindor, Grichik and, you know, a few people. And then, you know, with all of the all the outfield talk about maybe signing guys, they would have to do that. But I, I don't know if I would replace Gurriel with, honestly, anybody. Unless unless in the in the future he doesn't pan out to be as as good as we think he will be although let's let's be honest i think he's going to be really really good uh so it's i I don't think i would be very comfortable getting rid of him and then trying to replace him because you know Lindor's a great player but it's it's like trading apples for oranges you have something completely different than and plus i don't even think they really need a shortstop right now or and any really any infielder yeah it's just like I said, it obviously you're going to have to win him over because he is going to be on an expiring contract. And, you know, obvi- it's definitely a different situation. But some, we saw that in baseball this year. Look what happened with Mookie Betts. He came over. The Dodgers were taking the risk. And um, I think it was right at the beginning of the season he signed his monster extension, something that was probably already in the works, though, from going back to spring training in March before the shutdown. But, you know, the ideal situation would to bring him, to bring him over and sign him right away. But obviously... You know, someone like Francisco Lindor, who's due for a huge payday, he's somebody that is probably going to want to test the market, especially for someone who would hit the market for the first time in his career. So you can you can see uh, how you know how big of a risk it could be, but obviously that's the ideal situation. And if it's coming, you know, if you acquire um, Lindor and then assign him, uh, that's something, of course, where even Mark, you changed your opinion, something that you would probably accept. But clearly, you know, it's just, it's a massive risk. And, you know, based on what I've seen, the reaction on Twitter, some are for it, some are for taking the risk, and some don't want to even go there, especially for someone who's on an expiring deal and who's going to get paid regardless. So interesting, though, I just thought I'd throw that, throw, uh, throw that <laughs> offer at you guys. So yeah, it was good to see your reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Mookie Betts, I would love that comparison with Francisco Lindor, but the Blue Jays don't have $400 million to spend. <laughs> on someone they just acquired so I don't think I yeah I I don't trust the Blue Jays to be able to sign that extension um, no matter how competent I think Ross Atkins and Mark Spiro are but let's take a look at some of the other names that the Blue Jays have been in the circles of Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. is one that we saw reported this past week that I don't think had really been in the cards for really anyone looking at what the Blue Jays were trying to do because You know, we know they need an outfielder. We know they need pitching, but we had seen the name George Springer. We had seen, you know, other names floating around, but we hadn't seen Jackie Bradley Jr. floating around. And obviously he's not as good as George Springer, but he'd still be an improvement upon what the Blue Jays have now. So do you guys have any particular thoughts about getting, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr.? I think he's, like I said, a good player. He's not a high impact player. I wouldn't define him as that. I think he's kind of just like maybe a little bit above league average. Um, Maybe if you compare him to a former Blue Jay, a little bit better than Kevin Pillar all around. Obviously there are some parts of their games that differ. Although Jackie Bradley Jr. is an incredible defender, perhaps better than Kevin Pillar if you want to go there. So do you guys think the Blue Jays should put the effort in to get Jackie Bradley Jr. If he's not 
the type of high-impact player that Ross Atkins say, says he wants to get? If they don't get George Springer, absolutely. Uh, I just think, you know, when it comes to who the Jays are interested in, obviously there's people who are at the top of the list and at the bottom of the list, but adding Jackie Bradley Jr. to that list is something that uh, should be uh, widely considered, and I think it has been considered. But, you know, it'll obviously it'll depend on the other dominoes ahead of him that will fall for that to happen, for his market to kind of pan out because of course his market really isn't set yet either as he's still waiting on players like George Springer to sign wherever and if something doesn't work out with George Springer then the Jays going after Jackie Bradley Jr. is definitely something that I would be in favor of you know you're what you're getting out of Jackie Bradley Jr. yeah he's not the greatest hitter based off of his um his career numbers in Boston but he can field and Mark you do have a good um, sorry comparison to him as a pretty much slightly better Kevin Pillar pretty much defensively and, um, well, I guess at the plate, it's a little bit of a toss-up, but defensively, Jackie Bradley Jr. I th- is... I think he's still still a little bit better at the plate. Yeah. Like he hit 283 this past mm-hmm. season, so... It is. It's pretty close, but like you said, it's a pretty bang-on uh, comparison for him being a slightly better Kevin Pillar. And regardless, the Jays are looking to upgrade in the outfield, and if it won't be George Springer, if it won't be Jackie Bradley Jr., it's going to be somebody, and it could be one of those two names, and maybe it could be both of them. You never know. But Jackie Bradley Jr. is somebody who I think is a little bit underrated as well. Somebody who doesn't really get a lot of the attention or he doesn't really get a lot of um, just like recognition, I think, at some points. I'm not saying he's, you know, a superstar, which of course he's not. But I just think that he does a lot of things, too, that aren't really recognized. And, you know, seeing him in the ALDs for all this time as well, we get it. We get a lot. We see a lot of Jackie Bradley Jr. every year. So we all know who the type of player he is. Blue Jays fans know the type of player he is. The front office is obviously familiar with him because of how many times they see him. So Jackie Bradley Jr., um, somebody definitely that should be on the free agent list. But, of course, uh, he should be probably somewhat considered a plan B. No disrespect to him behind somebody like George Springer. Or maybe other outfield names that we haven't even heard of yet, because of course there's still a ton of outfielders that the Jays could potentially pursue. But Jackie Bradley Jr. should be up there regardless. Yeah, one thing that's kind of funny is on through uh, Twitter and Instagram, I've seen kind of negative reactions about George Springer. People saying, you know, associating him with the the Astros, and I mean, fair enough if people want to do that. Uh, to be completely honest. Going into this offseason, I wasn't entirely sure if the Blue Jays were going to actively pursue an outfielder, but I mean, after you know listening to it and doing you know some more digging into this, they probably should. I mean, Randall Gritchick was hot at the beginning of the season, hitting like 310, I think, for a while, but then he just he just fell to rock bottom. He just he was not good for a while, and I mean, the thing you got to realize is I I kind of picked out Randall Gritchick because we know Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Guerrero Jr. are not going anywhere. Those two are expected to stay on this team until they choose that they don't want to stay with this team you know, via free agency. But with Gritchick, he's kind of the, the flexible one there. I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if someone, if either uh, Jackie Bradley or George Springer are kind of a... Uh, domino effect type of move where they decide to you know say i I mentioned earlier with francisco lindor they'd have to make some type of trade maybe randall gritchick or somebody is involved in that trade and then they say you know part of our plan with that deal was to get another guy like one of those two so i wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens but i mean overall it's not a bad thing there's always room for upgrading uh and especially 
you know, if it makes the team better, I'm not against it. I mean, I like the comparison, like you said, with uh, Kevin Pillar and Jackie Bradley Jr. That is fair. I mean, we see him a lot in Boston, and it's just overall, it's not a bad idea. Uh, like I said, I for me, it's kind of weird because I was... For me, I wanted to see a lot of deals about uh, surrounding the pitchers done first. But, I mean, if those are taking longer, then that's fine. But I, I feel like at first I was like, yeah, outfielders can kind of wait until you know, we get deeper into free agency. Although, let, let's face it, one of them is going to get signed if the Blue Jays decide to wait a couple months. But if they want to make the deal, I think, like I said, it'll probably be more of a domino effect where something happens and then they intended for there to be an opening for a position. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely a real possibility. You know, they, the management and everyone's been saying, you know, this is probably going to happen. Uh, they want to make, they want to upgrade this team. They don't want to have any holes or one of those spots where you look at it and you say that probably could be better. I think they're definitely looking at any and all options. And, I mean, that doesn't mean anything's guaranteed, but overall I think we probably will end up seeing something like that. Uh, no disrespect to Randall Gritchick. I do like him, and I mean, he has definitely tried to recruit Trevor Bauer, so I can't fault him for that. He definitely likes it here, but it's, I mean, in terms of business, on the business side of it, if the Blue Jays are looking for upgrades, he unfortunately, just by process of elimination, would probably be the blue the outfielder that goes, uh, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that does end up happening towards or maybe even in the near future, a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, Bryson, I think you're right in saying that the Blue Jays should go after George Springer and treat Jackie Bradley Jr. as kind of a fallback plan, a backup plan, because we all know George Springer is a much better player. He's like one of the crown jewels of this offseason, not just for the Blue Jays, but any team that would get him. And um, MLB trade rumors projected him uh, before the offseason started as getting a five-year, $125 million contract. So that would be an enormous contract, more than we normally see the Blue Jays giving out. And on top of that, um, it would it would be a very large time commitment for the Blue Jays, as we've mentioned, because their payroll, as years progress, is growing thinner and thinner in terms of room to work with. So I think it'd be a huge investment for the Blue Jays, but it'd be a great investment for the Blue Jays, and it lines up perfectly with their competitive schedule. But that being said, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a pretty good plan B if it ends up happening, if they end up getting either plan A or plan B, because like he's a really good player. I said he hit 283 this season. Of course, only 55 games, but he won a gold glove in 2018. He's fantastic defender, pretty good offense. Um, he'd definitely be an improvement over what the Blue Jays have now in Randall Grishik, or maybe, I'm, I know you're talking about this, Jacob, but maybe you get creative. Maybe you run with four outfielders. Maybe you keep all the outfielders you have right now and just, you know, cycle them out once every third day. You could get creative with it. Of course, I don't think the Blue Jays are going to do that because, they have other guys who can play the outfield on top of their starting three right now, whether it's Kevin Biggio, who we've seen in the outfield, who might be figuring into the Blue Jays' long-term plan in the outfield if they can't get any of these big names in the offseason. So it's interesting to look at the situation. I think if they do get an outfielder, a big-name outfielder, be it Bradley Jr., be it um, Springer, they're definitely going to try to trade and flip 
one of the three. I think it's definitely going to be Randall Grishik if they had their choice. Maybe they get an offer they can't refuse for Guriel or for, for Hernandez. But overall, I think their plan moving forward is try to get Springer. If you don't get Springer, try to get Bradley. If you get either of them, flip one of the outfielders you currently have. So let's move on to another name that has been in the orbit of the Blue Jays. And this is interesting because, as we mentioned, there's been so many outfield names. Jackie Bradley Jr., George Springer. There's been a lot of infield names. Um, one of them we haven't mentioned yet, Andrelton Simmons, has been in the talk, uh, swirling around trade rumors with the Blue Jays. Um, Francisco Lindor, as we talked about. Uh, but one name we haven't talked about, who's a pitcher, which I think we can all agree is the Blue Jays' number one priority this offseason, is Jake Odorizzi. Um, he had an off season um, this past year, of course, only four starts. He was injured, but uh, 6.59 ERA. But going back to 2019, which I think is probably a more accurate um, gauge of his actual talent and capability um, as a pitcher and as a free agent, he had an ERA of 3.51. He was an all-star. He's a good pitcher, and I think he might come at a cheaper price than um, he normally would, especially given the off year he had last season. Um, given the fact that the Blue Jays have, let's say, two positions to fill in the starting rotation, do you want them to fill one of those spots with Jake Odorizzi? Would you want the Blue Jays to go out and sign Jake Odorizzi, knowing that once you sign him, you could be saddled with a guy who turns out to you know, maybe last year wasn't a fluke. Maybe that's what he is going forward. You know, he's going to be entering his age 31 season. Maybe last year is a sign of what's to come for him. Maybe, dare I mention it, like a guy like Chase Anderson or Tanner Rourke who didn't pan out for the Blue Jays. Or is he going to be a guy that bounces back, who maybe finds something with the Blue Jays, like maybe a Robbie Ray, maybe a Marco Estrada. So knowing that the Blue Jays only have two spots to work with, that if they sign Odorizzi, they could be making a mistake given his performance last year. Do you guys want the Blue Jays to sign Odorizzi or should they pass on him, try to find someone else? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, I think it will come down to what happens with Taiwan Walker because as we've said before, he is probably the biggest free agent that the Blue Jays should go after. They should re-sign him. Uh, he was great with the Blue Jays. It's like a, I think it was a one an ERA around one he was absolutely fantastic uh so if they sign him and Nate Pearson stays in the majors then for the start of the season that is their rotation would consist of Hunjin Ryu Nate Pearson uh Taiwan Walker maybe someone like Anthony Kay I don't know I mean they have some guys that they they tried to uh, extend throughout the the regular season in the bullpen so I mean having two spots to fill is not a bad idea, but if they don't get Taiwan Walker, then I think he's, I don't know. It's tough because I'm looking at his stats. I, I think he would be a good option as a fifth starter. If the, even if they get Taiwan Walker, they resign him. I think that Jake Odorizzi would not be a bad option as your fifth starter, but uh, his stats for the most part are kind of all over the place. Uh, I mean, obviously, this year was kind of that weird season where he only had a few starts. But the majority of it, I mean, he's been average aside from that. I mean, his career average is 392, his earned run average. However, take this out to this year out of the con out of consideration, and it's considerably lower than that. 
but I, I'm not sure. I feel like also I forgot to mention um, Robbie Ray as as a starter. So if they have uh, those four starters and then Jake Odorizzi, I I feel like that might be a bit more of a gamble than a contending team is willing to take because I I think Robbie Ray Robbie Ray will be better this year or next season that is, but. I feel like that's a lot to bank on. And even with Nate Pearson, he, he had a very good end to his season, but he was up and down before his injury. So, I mean, if you want to, I mean, I'm not against a deal, but I think it, it would have to be justified in some way. Meaning, you know, either we're not getting Taiwan Walker because either some team has already taken him or they just decide not to pursue him anymore. Or even if they get him, they say, well, you know what? We don't want to, go into something like like uh, the 2020 season where injuries just kill you and then all of a sudden you have Anthony Bass taking it, you know, who you expected to have a completely different role, taking on the closer role, then you have Rafael Delis, and you just have this whole mess of guys, and then you have guys like Kay Hatch, who for the most time, most part were good, but they started to fall apart towards the end of the season, and then, you know, who do you rely on? I, I don't think the Blue Jays want that, especially you got to realize... They're expecting to contend, so it's not like 2019 where, or even the start of this year, where if they blew a game, you get over it because it's not like they were expected to win, whereas when you are trying to win a World Series or even make the playoffs, you need to you need to win a lot more games than uh, this year they had a slightly over a 500 record, but you got to at least have a 500 record, at least... 85 to 95 wins in the regular season. So it's not a bad idea to get a guy like Jake Odorizzi. However, I would be very cautious when saying, yeah, he's our third starter, he's our fourth starter, because it could pan out. I mean, like you mentioned, Mark, it was interesting. Marco Estrada, who was fantastic for the Blue Jays after coming over, I think it was from the Adam Lynn trade, and he, he was just fantastic. But I feel like it would be very tough for the Blue Jays to say there's a guy that's been up and down. He's, he is getting older and we're kind of banking on him for, on him to be a, a big role for this team. But I mean, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I, it's not a bad idea. And I think ultimately it will depend on the other aspects of the team and what happens with the other, the other spots in the rotation first. Yeah. I'm with you on some of it. Um, I just don't think it's going to be strictly on Taiwan Walker it, I think it's going to be more in the term, just because based on what I've been looking at for both of these pitchers, you know, there's not a huge difference or s- difference in terms of career numbers. They are both similar in terms of the career numbers. And Jay Godorizzi is a fairly solid pitcher as well, and it's someone who you know Blue Jays fans, of course, is also interested or sorry, not interested, sorry, familiar with. As you know, before he was in Minnesota, of course, he was with Tampa for um, a few years, so we are uh, familiar with who Jay Godorizzi is. And, you know, Jake Odorizzi was project, or predicted by MLB Trade Rumors as well at the beginning of the offseason to come to the Blue Jays, actually. And it was a three-year deal of $39 million. So, you know, of course it's going to come down to the asking price between him and someone like Taiwan Walker. But, you know, if I'm the, I'm the Blue Jays, I'm not solely waiting on Taiwan Walker and the outcome for Taiwan Walker if I, wanted, if I want to pursue Jake Odorizzi or not. Why not go after both? Why not look at dollar and term for both, see what both of them want? We kind of know the market there for Jake Odorizzi. You know, gonna probably gonna be around two to three years, and it'll be forty million around there, maybe under, maybe thirty-five, 
and uh, maybe just slightly under that as well. But, you you know, Taiwan Walker, of course, will be interesting. And, of course, he is someone that I want to come back. As you guys know, I'm sure all of you guys are on that as well. We'd like to see him come back. So uh, I would love to have Taiwan Walker back as well. And, you know, maybe it also comes down to the guy who comes first because the, t the dollar in term is going to be a massive, massive decision-making point for both of them. But I, I'm not going to wait for Jake Odorizzi and wait solely on Taiwan Walker. You know, you can't, if you're the Blue Jays aggressively trying to make moves, you can't be at, you can't be doing that. I think you got to be kind of playing it from different sides of all of the scenarios. And I think Jake Odorizzi would be a good fit here. But of course, is he willing to come here? You know, it, it's just, a, you know, a projection's obviously different than, you know, how he's feeling or, you know, how he likes the city. But what, what we've seen from Taiwan Walker is he seems to be somebody who's interested in coming back. He keeps, you know, tweeting about, there was that tweet a few weeks ago or maybe about a month ago now when, you know, the Toronto skyline where he tweeted how he can get used to this. So he's already kind of showed hints that he is kind of interested in coming back and something that he would strongly consider. And he, you know, he seemed like he enjoyed his time here. And I think, you know, Blue Jays fans as well enjoyed his time here or enjoyed when he was here as his numbers were also better when he was with Seattle. He pretty much split the season in half between both of those teams. But Jake Odorizzi, uh, another solid pitcher based off of his career numbers, a career ERA just under four. Um, so, you know, someone close to Taiwan Walker in terms of that because Taiwan Walker has the exact same or just not, you know, a little bit of a different career ERA, but it's still over, you know, the 370 to 380 range. So both solid pitchers and Jake Odorizzi, definitely another one who should be on the hit list for the Blue Jays, yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely one or the other. They're not going to get both of them, but I don't think really either of them is above the other one on the list. I think they're kind of interchangeable players because, I mean, they're both not consistent performers. I think if I had to choose one, Jake Odorizzi has put up more consistent numbers than Taiwan Walker has because Taiwan Walker, like, he had an amazing 2020 season, but if you look back at 2019, he only had one game that he appeared in, which was a start, but he only pitched one inning. Back to 2018, he made three starts. All right, so his last real full season, because 2020 wasn't even a full season, you go back to 2017, 28 starts. He was really, really good that year. 157 innings, 3.49 ERA. But that's going back three years. So you, you really haven't seen what he can do in a full season for three years. Versus Jake Odorizzi, of course, he was injured last season, um, had his struggles, but at the same time, um, he's a very consistent guy. He's one of the best pitchers on this market. It's a very weak market for pitchers. If you look at the you know the top three names, according to MLB trade rumors are, of course, Trevor Bauer coming off the Cy Young Award, and then Masahiro Tanaka, who we, I mean, we're all Blue Jay fans. We know what he does in the AL East. And then Jake Odorizzi. So I, like, I... Personally, I think if I had to choose between Taiwan Walker and Jake Odorizzi, I would choose Jake Odorizzi because he is a more consistent performer. I think there's a risk you sign Taiwan Walker based on what you saw with his few starts with the Blue Jays and he turns into who he was in 2018 or 2019 and it turns out as a huge mistake versus Jake Odorizzi. He's had one year that he's really struggled with injuries, which was this year, but besides that, He's largely been fine. And by the way, his injury this year was kind of a fluke. He took a line drive off the chest. So, I mean, I would take Jake Odorizzi over Taiwan Walker, even though they are kind of interchangeable players. And I think if the Blue Jays get one, they're not getting the other. But definitely Odorizzi over Taiwan Walker for me. 
So the last thing we wanted to just touch on today is the awards that we found out this past week. Um, the winners of, of course, the Blue Jays not walking away with any big awards. Charlie Montoyo was a finalist for American League Manager of the Year. He lost it to Kevin Cash, of course, of the Tampa Bay Rays, going to the World Series, winning the American League pennant. A well-deserved award for him. What I found interesting about that award is that, of course, Charlie Montoyo, we know what I think. He did not deserve it. Uh, but I found it interesting that Don Mattingly, manager of the Marlins in the National League, won manager of the year. When you can potentially look at the story of these two teams and say, okay, well, they got in the same spot, the second wildcard spot in the National League and the American League. Of course, the Marlins lost, whatever it was, 20 players to COVID-19. They had to work through that. They weren't even supposed to be that great of a team to begin with, and then they made it to the postseason. You look at the Blue Jays, they didn't know where they were playing. They were homeless. You have all those type of things. They make it to the postseason, same spot as the Marlins. So I found it interesting that in the National League, Don Mattingly was considered good enough and remarkable enough to win Manager of the Year, but in the American League, there was a manager that beat out Charlie Montoyo, even though they were kind of similar storylines this year. I found that interesting. Again, I don't think Montoyo deserved to win. I think Kevin Cash deserved to win, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago, but still interesting to follow the storylines there. Um, the couple other players that we wanted to mention, Hyunjin Ryu losing out on the Cy Young Award, but um, got, I think, a, a handful of votes for MVP, down ballot, of course, second, third, for MVP, which was interesting, and Teoscar Hernandez, another name we saw um, in the MVP, um, I guess, mix. He got a few votes. I think he finished 11th overall. Hyunjin Ryu, I think, finished tied for 14th, if I remember correctly. Um, so it was interesting to see those names being mentioned along the likes of some of the other guys that won or were at the top of that list, um, which was cool. And I think Teoscar Hernandez, we talked about him last week um, as being the next Jose Bautista, you know, winning Silver Slugger, having a fantastic year. Um, I think this was just yet another recognition of him. And, you know, getting a few votes, it's not the, 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 the biggest thing in the world, but still pretty encouraging and pretty cool to see. Yeah, it was interesting. I didn't even... Uh... I don't know how to put it, but I, I didn't really kind of consider Teoscar Hernandez for MVP. Maybe it's just because I just wasn't paying attention. I really don't know. It's just, it's great to see him do that. Uh, it, I mean, again, it is, you know, a few votes, but still it shows that people recognize that he was good this year. Uh, maybe it's a sign of things to come. Maybe, you know, the last Blue Jay to win the MVP award was Josh Donaldson in 20, yeah, 2015. So it's definitely been a while. Uh, but well, not not a ton of time. But he's he's definitely it's definitely you know kind of a different era of Blue Jays baseball, I guess to to put it. So it's it's interesting. I mean, it is kind of funny the the fact that all these players got awards or were at least nominated because I I, I can't remember off the top of my head when all of them were announced. But I remember one day just randomly scrolling through Twitter. I don't even use Twitter that often, but out of nowhere. I just got um, tons of posts about oh, Charlie Montoyo, you know, uh, Hyunjin Ryu, all these things. I was like, wait a minute, like the rest of the league actually recognizes that the Blue Jays are good. And it was, it was like a, it was one of those moments you just sit, you're like, holy, like the league actually is starting to recognize the Blue Jays again. And it's, it's definitely great. I think it's a sign of things to come, you know, who knows, maybe 
the Blue Jays are World Series champions next year or a year after that, and you see, you know, a couple Cy Young or a couple Cy Young, oh, a Cy Young award or an MVP, you see something like that where, you know, they have guys have somehow even better their breakout seasons and, you know, just hardware is flying everywhere. Just, I think that would definitely be really interesting, but, you know, unfortunate that uh, none of them won. I didn't think Charlie Montero was going to win except for the half an hour span between the NL Manager of the Year award winning uh, be, uh, award being announced and the American League, where, as you mentioned, Don Mattingly won. The, uh, the National League was announced first. And I remember thinking, you know, the Marlins were fairly similar in what they had to deal with uh, in terms of, or compared to the Blue Jays. So I thought maybe the league is just going to, you know, give it to Charlie Montoya, which, I mean, obviously he didn't. And I think Kevin Cash is definitely more deserving of it. But it was, it was funny. I thought to myself, wow, you know, maybe, maybe Charlie Montoya is actually going to get the manager of the year award, you know, kind of with the precedent they set with uh, the Miami Marlins. But still, uh, it was a good season uh, for them for the guys that were nominated and it it definitely like I said it shows that you know this team is actually for real I think they're definitely going to be good for a long time and you know they they have these individual performances that are now uh, starting to get recognized and it's it's definitely making me excited for next year see what happens with potential awards uh, and nominations I mean I was pretty happy to see Teoscar Hernandez finish 11th until well, I'm still happy that he finished eleventh, but the uh the the success of it, the joy of it, was a little bit uh knocked down by Ryan Tapera, of course, former Blue Jay reliever now for the Chicago Cubs, getting an MVP vote. And then, very funny, um the writer that voted for him, who's actually a St. Louis writer, who of course you don't expect that to happen, Cubs, Cardinals, huge rivalry, said that it was an accident. And he meant to vote for, I think it was Trey Turner, but he accidentally voted for, for Ryan Tapera um, for MVP, which was hilarious. And then Ryan Tapera said, well, I don't care. I got an MVP vote anyway. He made a, a pretty uh, good-spirited tweet about it. So that was a fun situation. And um, another thing to mention as we're talking about Don Mattingly and the Marlins. The Marlins naming a new general manager is a first female general manager in major American sports history, which is super, super awesome. And it's been a great week for baseball because of that. And hopefully it leads to more, not just in baseball, but in all professional sports. And I think we can all celebrate that. But on that happy note, I think we'll wrap up the podcast for today. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Section 138. As always, you can follow us on social media at Section138Pod. And you can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you just search Section 138 there. Just helps to spread the word about our podcast. And um, you can always do it the good old-fashioned way by just telling your friend. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Uh, yeah, Red Rider, this is the Cottonmouth in the Psycho Billy Cadillac, come on. Oh, uh, this is the Cottonmouth, a negatory on the cost of this machine there, Red Rider. You might say I went right up to the factory and picked it up, it's cheaper that way. Uh, what model is it? Well, it's a 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59 automobile. 
It's a 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69.